I want to thank you, um, Johnny and Amy, for your welcome. And, and again, just to say, um, we, are, we are praying continually for you here at Trinity and thanking God for you. Um, uh, I think it's, is it about seven weeks? Is it about seven Sundays since the doors were opened here, Easter Sunday? And uh, we were able to begin to worship in this space. And, um, and, and for some of you, you've joined the journey um, here in what God's doing here during that time. Others of you were part of the story um, as uh, a small group began to, to meet and pray together back in September last year. But um, I have to say that it, it's just an extraordinary <laughs> encouragement to come in and think, wow, what God is doing, bringing people together, connecting people to one another in this city, um, growing his church for the purpose of bringing glory uh, to the name of Jesus. So, so thank you. Whether you've been a part of this for one week um, and you're thinking it's one week only, um, or whether you're, <laughs> I hope no one's thinking that, or, but, or, or whether you're, you're here and, and you've been part of the journey since September, thank you. Thank you for, for being a part of what God is doing. Um, I really do think we, we live um, uh, at, in very challenging times for our nation and for our world, and particularly in our cities. Um, and, uh, and maybe what happened last night and two weeks ago in Manchester just kind of brings us to the point where we find ourselves really searching um, thinking, well, what, what does it really mean um, to be here in this city at this time? Um, what's that about? What will that mean in the weeks and, uh, and years to come? And, uh, and what does it mean to be fully engaged in our cities? Because they are places of such huge potential um, for good, um, and yet, at the same time, they contain the possibilities um, to magnify evil. Um, and, and we see, at one and the same time, we see both the breathtaking possibilities for good and also we keep being reminded um, of the evil. Uh, now, quite rightly, um, uh, the police guidance um, over the last few weeks that emerged out of the attacks in Manchester, the police guidance for safety, staying safe during a suspected attack, is simple, really simple, Run, hide, and tell. Tell someone if you can. Run, hide, and tell. Um, now that, I am clear, must be sound advice if you're caught in the middle of an incident or a crisis. But at the same time, when we look at our city and when we look at uh, the, the crisis that many people feel in different ways living in our cities, um, uh, I don't think for Christians we want the outcome of facing the challenges of our world to be about running and hiding. Um, telling, I think we're okay with that one, but, um, but the instinct probably is there in all of us to want to run and hide, but that should not be the attitude of the Church of Jesus Christ that wants to make a difference and see transformation in our cities. Um, for Christians, this is no time to run or hide. Um, um, it's time, I believe, to engage more fully because Jesus says we are the salt and light of this city. We really are. And Jesus says uh, we have love and truth for this city, uh, that we have forgiveness and healing for this city, uh, that we have compassion 
and justice to bring to this city. Um, and so, although the, the story of Trinity Church um, here in the auction house is kind of seven weeks old, um, I, I'm just thrilled that you're already um, exploring what it might mean for you to engage um, ever more fully in, in the work that God wants you to do in this city and that kind of third Wednesday um, gathering. Um, I pray that will be one of the places where God just shows you um, with ever-increasing clarity as you focus on him, your worship and your prayers, that it'll just become naturally clear uh, what you are already doing in the city. I mean, we kind of get a glimpse of that just hearing from one person, hearing from Sarah, amazing um, how, how you as a congregation, you're already blessing the city in amazing ways. But I, I, I'm absolutely clear that there is much more that God will yet have for us to do. And cities have always been important in the purposes of God. You kind of look through the story of uh, how God has worked through cities um, uh, from the beginning of the, the story of the Bible right through uh, to the end point. Cities are very significant. Sometimes there's debate about, well, what do we mean by a city? Um, when, when does a, a, a place become a city? Is it to do with population? Well, there's something about that. Um, there's also probably much more to do with uh, the, the, the sort of intensity of, of, of people living in proximity to one another. That seems to be one of the clearest ways in which to define a city. Um, there's a, a man called Edward Glazier uh, who's written um, a book called The Triumph of the City, and he puts it like this. He said, cities are the absence of physical space between people. With more person-to-person -person interactions and exchanges in a day than are possible anywhere else. Um, and this is what gives um, a city, he says, its distinctiveness and also its potency um, when it comes to human um, uh, living arrangements. Um, it, it, it enhances productivity, um, certainly does that, and some of you know that from the ways in which you're engaged in the life of the city. It stimulates creativity. It holds out the possibility to multiply great good very quickly in response to human need. But it also can accelerate uh, the possibility of doing harm and increasing fear. And that's what we're seeing at the moment in, in cities. That's certainly been the story for people in Manchester. And it will be for those living in London. It will be for us in different ways as well as we share the, uh, in a sense, the burden of uh, the impact of those attacks on cities. Um, but we are praying, um, and we do believe that the purposes God has for us in this city have all to do um, with the purpose that he had for those who were gathered in a city called Jerusalem 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Um, they were to receive a gift that would propel them out into that city, packed Perhaps it, 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 it was the one point. Why the day of Pentecost? Because the city was never as packed with people um, as it was on the day of Pentecost. Everyone had poured in from all across um, uh, the, what was then the, the, the known world. Um, people had returned to the city, not just Jewish believers, but also people who had kind of felt an affiliation with, with um, the message of, of faith um, expressed by um, God's people in the Old Testament, and they were drawn to the city um, on the day of Pentecost. It was jammed full. There was nowhere to move. Um, and this is the moment 
in God's purposes where the Spirit comes upon those first disciples. Um, a gathering, I would imagine, not unlike the number here this morning, um, we're told that they'd been meeting together for 10 days. Um, from the time that Jesus had ascended into the heaven, he just told them to do one thing. He said, you are to wait. Wait here. Don't go. Don't go anywhere. Which was an odd thing, really, because um, on one level, they had everything they needed. Um, Jesus had gone back into heaven, and as he ascended into heaven, if you think about um, this group of probably about 120 or so people, um, uh, they, ha they had spent 40 days with the risen Jesus. Luke says earlier in Acts, he says that they had, um, uh, that Jesus had appeared to them over and over again during a period of 40 days and given them many convincing proofs of his resurrection. Um, and what's more, Luke tells us, he'd also taught them about the kingdom of God. So you imagine 40 days with the risen Jesus giving you undeniable proof of his resurrection from the dead, and he's teaching you about the kingdom of God. My goodness, we've got to go. They had a message to tell. They had a story to tell. And, and what, what's more, they even had a purpose and a plan. Um, they knew what their purpose was, their why, as it were. As you, their, their reason to exist was um, from now until the moment they would be reunited with Jesus in, in, in his new kingdom, the kingdom that he was going to prepare for them. Um, they were to be witnesses. That was the, that was the job. You, you just bear witness to what you've seen and what you've heard. Um, so they knew what they had to do. And where were they to do that? Well, there, there was a plan. There was a strategy, if you like. It was pretty simple. Um, it was just start where you are. Start here in Jerusalem. Um, sometimes that's a challenge for us. Um, we kind of think, well, look, um, I think I'm okay about being a witness, but can I start somewhere else, um, Lord? Could I, could I start over there? This doesn't feel like the place I'd want to begin. But Jesus says to his disciples, you start where you are. You start here in the city, in Jerusalem, with all its tensions. And if you ever think there's a city burdened with tension, Jerusalem was that city and still is today. Jesus says, you start here. Don't go running away and hiding. Start here in this city. Start in Jerusalem. But hey, it's not going to stop that. You're going to go to or Judea, to Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Um, this is a, you're going to be witnesses to the whole world uh, of what you have seen and heard. So they'd spent 40 days with the risen Jesus, hearing about the kingdom of God, having Jesus teach them about the kingdom of God. They've got a, they've got a purpose. They're going to be witnesses to Jesus. They, they're simply going to tell the story of Jesus, what they've seen and heard, and they've got a plan. They're just going to start where they are and go to the ends of the earth. But Jesus says, I've got one command. There's only one command Jesus gives to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Um, and that command was this, wait. Even though they had everything. You kind of think, Jesus, let's get on with it. Let's not waste a single day. And Jesus said, you wait. Because the most important thing has not yet happened. I'm going to ascend into heaven and from there, I am going to send the Holy Spirit upon you. You are going to be baptized all over again. But you're going to be baptized this time with fire, um, with power from above. So you wait. 
just wait. Um, and um, they weren't hiding. They hadn't run off and hidden uh, from the problems. They, they were acting in obedience. We're told that they just met together for those 10 days. They prayed, and their prayer uh, was about preparing themselves for what God had given them to do. And it was a prayer almost certainly for the Holy Spirit. That was the promise they were holding on to. Um, and that's what the Thy Kingdom Come prayer season has been about. Um, between ascension and, and the day of Pentecost, today the church all across the country and churches around the world have been praying, waiting on the Lord. Um, and and the, the primary prayer is this, Lord, thy kingdom come. Lord, cause your kingdom to come. Send your Holy Spirit. And I've loved, I've spent the last 10 days spinning all over the diocese, all over the county, attending prayer meetings, prayer gatherings. Um, sometimes there have been three or four people. Sometimes there have been 40 or 50 people. Uh, Trent Vineyard, there were probably seven or 800 on uh, Friday evening. It has been amazing. There have been over 250 prayer gatherings across the diocese that we know about. Um, and um, I feel like I've been to all of those, but I haven't. I've only been to a few of them. <laughs> Um, been a long week, but it's been an amazing week. And um, a real sense of, of anticipation of what God is going to do. This is not time to run and hide, but to prepare uh, for good work that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Um, God is going to continue to refresh us and pour out his power um, as he did on the day of Pentecost. So I wasn't surprised. Two days in, um, I'd had a, an amazing first couple of days. I'd started Ascension morning, Ascension day morning, I was in Emmanuel School, which is one of our secondary schools across on the south side of the city. I was there at 7.30 in the morning with Christian staff praying for their school, praying, thy kingdom come in this school, in the lives of these young people. May they come to know Christ. It was an amazing time uh, of just beginning that day. And then by the time we'd finished praying, students were pouring into, uh, the, onto the site and uh, we went, as we went outside, we, uh, out of this, this prayer room, um, we went straight into um, this bank of, of uh, um, students who were preparing to take their GCSE maths on, uh, on Ascension Day morning. And they were, they were looking seriously anxious, um, and, but not as anxious as their, their maths teachers were looking. Because <laughs> this is, uh, any of you know anything about education, this is a brand new maths GCSE this year. Um, so there were no kind of past papers to kind of look at. This was like, oh my goodness, we're about to find out whether we've taught our, these students enough to get through this exam. So the, the teachers are looking, and one of the math teachers who saw me come out said, can you pray for us? <laughs> I said, yes. And, and, and we gathered some of the students together and we just prayed for them as they prepared for their maths exam and pray for their teachers that they'd kind of just relax a little bit. Um, and, and then I went off and around some of the classes who'd prepared sort of prayer activities just to help their students in some of the lower years to engage in thinking about prayer on that day. It's great. Our Christian schools are amazing. Pray for them. And those, some of you are engaged in, in, in education. Thank you for that, that um, uh, ministry that you have there. Um, I then went um, uh, straight into Nottingham University to join some students there who were praying right through that day. I just joined them at lunchtime, and they were praying for um, fellow students in the universities. And then I went on to a prayer meeting in the afternoon, and by the evening, I was up at the north end of the diocese, as far north as you can go in this diocese. Uh, we're just inside South Yorkshire um, in a place called Bawtree, and there, 40 or 50 people were gathered together, um, and again, we were praying, thy kingdom come. So I wasn't surprised, and then on and on and on, um, by Saturday morning, um, 
the BBC, BBC Nottingham posted a report that whooshing sounds had been heard in the city. And it said this, and I'm, I'm just reading you from the report. It said, a strange whooshing noise has been waking Nottingham residents in the middle of the night. The sound has been likened to that made by a jet engine, a hot air balloon, or a giant blowtorch. <laughs> Some worried residents contacted Nottinghamshire police. One resident said, for the last two mornings, uh, this is, so this is Saturday morning, for the last two mornings I've heard a series of noises outside my house in Woolerton, which sounds like a giant blowtorch. We went outside and it was really loud. I looked up into the sky expecting either to see flames or a very close aircraft of some sort. It sounded like a sort of explosion and then something coming out of something, like a balloon or something like that. She added, as I was talking to the police, I said, I can hear it now. And he said, I can hear it too. Um, BBC um, Nottingham uh, reporter Kevin Stanley, and this is in the article, heard the noise in Radford at about 7.15 um, on Saturday, and uh, again about half an hour later. He said, to me it sounded like a whooshing noise which seemed to be passing from one place to another, like it was moving. Um, now, I'm not making any claims, by the way. I want to be <laughs> really careful about this. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of work um, uh, out there on, uh, the, in, in the sort of social media to try and work out what this is, but there's no answer as yet. But it sounded a lot like Pentecost to me. <laughs> um, uh, it really did. Uh, two days into thy kingdom come. Well, whatever it was about, and, and whatever it was about, let, me, uh, let it point us. Let it point us to the significance of of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit um, is doing in our city and all that he longs to do, the Holy Spirit longs to do um, through people like you and me um, as we refuse to run and hide, but as we, in the face of the challenges that we face in our city, uh, which are not just the challenges that come um, from uh, sudden terrorist acts, there are many, many varied challenges in our city, but as we face them, rather than running and hiding through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will engage more fully. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Why did they need to wait? Well, because of the challenges that were ahead. It's interesting, the word that's used for witness, the word that um, Luke chooses um, uh, in uh, Acts chapters 1 and 2, when Jesus says, you're going to be witnesses, the words, the Greek word, some of you all know, is a word, marturion, which is the same root of the word that we um, have for the word martyr. Um, uh, there, there was in the promise that they would be witnesses um, a, a clear reminder of the trouble that was ahead. Um, it would be a glorious thing to, to, to speak at the story of what they had seen and heard as they had hung out with Jesus those 40 days, all that had become so clear to them. What an amazing privilege. But Jesus knew that the moment they began to speak that message, um, not only would they see glorious transformation, but they would also face great suffering and hardship. It was going to cost. They were going to be witnesses. Um, and some of them would be, in very little time, martyrs for their faith. Um, and, um, and that has been so for uh, God's people down through the ages um, as they have 
face the reality of the cost of Christian discipleship. Um, so um, I want to uh, urge you as you kind of dream um, big dreams for the future of what God has in store for you in your own lives and his purpose for you, but also for this church um, to continually wait, to learn daily to wait on the Lord. That's why I think uh, the pattern of prayer that um, Johnny was speaking about earlier is so not only important to the spiritual health of, of each one of us, but also to the purposes that God has for us, because it's in those moments that we wait we say again, Lord, this isn't just about having a good plan, a big idea, um, understanding the resurrection. This is about power from on high. The personal presence of Jesus at work in the lives of his people and in the heart of his church. So continue to wait on God. Um, and that's what this, this last 10 days has just been a reminder. We don't stop doing that after Pentecost. We continue to do that. And today is your birthday, Trinity Church. Today is your birthday. Today is when we celebrate the birthday of the church. It was not born on the resurrection morning, though that morning was glorious. Um, Jesus said, you, don't you go anywhere or do anything but pray until I send the Holy Spirit. That's when the church is born. It was on that day of Pentecost when the city could not have been more packed or filled with more tension. Um, and, uh, and there are many um, dates that probably in the story of Trinity Church are worth celebrating. Um, so uh, the, the, um, certainly you, you might kind of think that um, it would be worth uh, remembering the 23rd of April, 1840. So 23rd of April, that'd be a date to celebrate because that's when the first Trinity Church, Nottingham, was um, the foundation stone was laid. Um, so that's a date to look out for. Um, uh, that was a great day because uh, th that was the moment where, guided by the Spirit of God, a group of people said, we're going to establish a new church in this city to reach um, many thousands of people living on this side of the city, stretching up as far here as the top of, um, the, uh, of, of the Mansfield Road. Um, that's, that was a great day, but that's not the birthday. Um, there, was a, there was another date, uh, a great date to look out for, um, which is the 13th of October. Uh, because that was the date um, about 18 months later after laying the foundation stone uh, where there was a grand procession um, from the center of the city uh, to the new building, to the new Trinity Church. Um, and uh, that's when they gathered together and they just dedicated that building, that space, as you've been doing here over the last seven weeks as you've been inhabiting this space that God, I really do believe, has given to us, um, that they inhabited that space and they began uh, their ministry together there. Um, and they could not have known as they, as they waited on God what God would have in store, what work he would have for them to do for him. Um, but they would soon discover they would soon find out, and there were extraordinary things that God had for them to do. The first Trinity congregation could have had no idea that after six years of being established, they would have set up two day schools. Um, and uh, after another seven years, um, they would be educating 5,800 mainly poor children in the city. One church. Um, it was extraordinary what was happening. Um, and uh, people uh, were being drawn to faith in Christ. Um, it became quite quickly a very large church, but it, it had a vision. Uh, in fact, it, became, it was uh, within 10 years the largest church uh, in terms of congregational size in the East Midlands at that time. 
um, but they didn't have a vision for being a big church. They had a vision for the transformation of the city, so they began to plant other churches. Um, so uh, God, by His Spirit, was um, enabling Trinity Church uh, back then to make an impact and make a difference in this city. I'd love to tell you some of the other stories I've been stumbling across um, as I've been praying for you and some of the people that were raised up uh, within the congregation during those first 10 or 15 years, one who went on to, um, to, to lead the Church Mission Society, the, uh, the CMS, um, uh, at, at the peak of its ministry um, in, in so many, bringing the gospel to unreached um, parts of our world. Um, and, and the person who, was, who, was, who took on leading the CMS uh, at that time was somebody who had been nurtured in the life uh, of Trinity Church. Isn't that cool? Um, and, and, and wouldn't it be great to pray that there'll be just simply tens and hundreds of stories like that of what God is going to raise up people in this place to serve him in this city and to the ends of the earth. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes, as he did on the day of Pentecost in the packed and tense city of Jerusalem and in this city with all its challenges and its tensions and its possibilities today. We should expect the same thing, but we do need to acknowledge um, uh, that the discipline we'll have to learn, and this is a discipline, let me be honest with you, I have to learn every single day, because I am, uh, and my family will tell you, I'm a reasonably action-orientated person. If I had been amongst those disciples, I'd be going, what are we doing hanging around here? There is so much to do. <laughs> and there were, I would have needed people to go, hey, Remember what Jesus said, stay, wait, receive. Um, so I know there, there are some of you out there, you are maybe action-orientated people like me, and you just want to get going. Um, and that's great. I love you. Um, love people like you. But if you're like me, then we need to learn to wait um, daily. Um, and that does not reduce the action. And this is something we have to learn um, counterintuitively. The, the disciples learned that. Um, it was about timing, and everything is about timing in the purposes of God. And, and the time would be right. The city would be packed. There would be a moment where the Spirit of God would be poured out in, in, in quite phenomenal uh, ways, um, unmistakable ways, and they would be propelled. Um, they didn't need to tell someone to engage in the city. They would engage. So let's daily learn the discipline of waiting on God so that in our lives together and in the life of this church, um, we will be propelled into a city. No running, no hiding, only telling. Um, through our lives, through our words, um, through the difference that God will cause us to make. So that's why I love what God is doing here and in churches across this city. Um, I'm looking forward to the story that God is going to write in people's lives um, and uh, that, that he's already doing that here, but I, I know there'll be many more stories that we will get to tell and to celebrate, and we'll tell those stories and rejoice over them for all eternity. But it begins as we wait. <laughs>